gone live. Yes, yes. yes. Oh gosh, sorry. <laughs> I, I think we're live. It's we're the live. <laughs> which uh, where 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 I think uh, yeah, communication is as as part of our New Year's resolutions. We got to uh, get better at it. Anyway, so um, really excited uh, to have Grant uh, Van Ulbricht uh, joining us for this final AMA session of the year, which is. <laughs> Amazing. Grant, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. It's great to be with you uh, always. We've had an amazing year this year, so it's time to reflect, right? Yeah, it is a great time to reflect. And I, I think that um, I think uh, for those of you that don't know Grant, though, I don't I don't think there are many people in, in the universe that hasn't heard of Grant. <laughs> um, you know, Grant has been a, an amazing alumni of Consalia, he's gone on and done a, a doctorate, as you probably know, he's gone on and authored a book and he's developed the SCED. So what app, it's been amazing uh, to see how Grant has progressed. And uh, we thought that it would be really appropriate to invite Grant to this final session, because as we end one year and we begin another, um, it's a time for reflection, I guess, and also a time to, uh, I know, as we put in the title of the AMA, to sort of think about year's resolutions and what sort of changes do we want to make happening for next year. So we thought it would be absolutely brilliant to have Grant, Grant join us. Uh, for those of you who have dialed in, um, please use the chat function, you know, for any questions you want to uh, pose of Grant or, or me, <laughs> if you wish to. Uh, but I see Grant as being the focal point of this AMA, really. Um, but no uh, Grant, uh, I, I, I think we were talking just just earlier about uh, Royal Caribbean, and uh, you know, do do just want to do a very brief kind of, you know, how things at Royal Caribbean. Uh, perhaps talk a little bit about your your role, and uh, I'd like to ask you some questions about what this last year has been like for you as well. But why Perfect. don't we start off with a short intro? Thanks, Dr. Phil. Um, so, as um, many of you might know, uh, I am the global sales transformation leader for Royal Caribbean International. And what does that mean? Well, uh, if you've been following Dr. Phil and Consalia Sales Business School at all, you know all about sales transformation. But it's about looking at you know, the art and science of sales and how do you bring the psychology and the scientific framework to sales? And how do you take your sales teams out of the 1980s tips and tricks and consultative sales techniques to overcome objections mm -hmm. into the new era of selling, into this new democracy of the way people want to be sold to? So that's what we do here at Royal Caribbean is we bring the academic and pracademic practice into our work base. So I do this with um, some great team members. I've got Sean Lyons, who is my manager of sales transformation, could not do this job at all without him. Mm -hmm. um, and also a great leader in support, Mr. Brian Tilly, who's the president of the Leaf Solution. He has been an executive coach of mine for the past six years, really, and truly a support. So what we do is we look at all of sales and sales functions, and we say, how do we bring this sales science and psychology to these functions and roles and help give them and equip them with the tools and the methodologies and the mindsets to be better at what they're doing and to match today's consumer and customers' wants and needs. And in doing that, um, Royal Caribbean, as you said, Dr. Phil, as we were talking earlier, has just been having a record-breaking year. You know, after the pandemic, globally, people were 
uh, pent up and sitting at home and, you know, Royal Caribbean, thankfully, we didn't, although we shut down, we we literally shut down just like every other cruise in a uh, cruise line. Yeah. Um, we went from multi-billions to zero, uh, but we've brought it back and we actually stayed open for our customers. So during the pandemic, we stayed there. We stayed reflecting. We stayed connecting. And many times it was just to listen to our travel agents and to our customers, just to listen to them and just to be a conduit for them. So this year's just been absolutely um, record-breaking and phenomenal. I, th I think, uh, and I've said this before, um, Grant, there's a, you know, I can't think of any other sector that has been through the trauma you know, of the pandemic and, and what it did, uh, you know, of, of um, you know, I think worse than aviation in many ways, you know, air travel stopped, but you had these sort of pictures of the ships being stranded out at sea with people having COVID on them, not being able yeah. to get people home. And you sort of really felt for the pain of what was going on, not, not just for your passengers, but for the whole sector, you could see. Um, and I think that, um, I think what's, really you know been amazing to follow your your sort of personal journey in 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 this respect through the masters and how you've taken this notion of of change and transformation and you've really put it at the core of everything that you've done and amazing to see after such a short period of time the bounce back that you've had in your in your sector the resilience is just mm -hmm. extraordinary and uh, you kind of maybe alluded to it by the way you kept your travel agents that I guess are your principal source yeah. of traffic, uh, you know, uh, sort of kept close to them. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. Well, travel agents, they're our, they're our lifeline, you know, um, they are a B2B customer. In some instances, in some countries, it's a B2B2B, you know, so it's a domino effect of who's your customer's customer's customer yeah. um, and just supporting them and being there for them. But you know, all in all through it, I, I think one of the big successes, you know, as we talk about today, you know, in our discussion on Ask Me Anything about change, you know, and out of all the, the great, brilliant things that I learned throughout the Sales Masters program, Module 4, which was on leading change and leading transformation was the most reflective for me. Um, and that's where I think I shined the most uh, in creating Scared So What, which is the world's first bespoke personal change model. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I attribute a lot of what we do to that success. Um, we still have our all of our um, our new hires participate in Learning Scared So What, along with all of the other elements we teach. Um, and so much so that we still continue to give it to our B2B customers. Uh, yeah. We've got another campaign uh, to where we'll be giving it in January to our travel agents as well, again, as a new refresh and the new app and the new model. So, Well, I'm sure we'll be getting into sort of detail Um uh into more detail um a bit later on and i see that we've got a question that's been posed which will we can come on to um in a, in a little little bit but if we look at this sort of transitioning from 2023 into two, 2024 um if you reflect on on what has been achieved clearly it's been a brilliant year for you what 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 do you see as being some of the uh sort of fundamental challenges you know, facing your sales organization as you move into 2024? Mm -hmm. That's a that's a packed question. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot of that because, you know, there's a lot that's changed. Yeah, um, We've got so many different instances and nuances of change that are happening. 
you know, you look, let's just look from the return to business perspective. So if you think from international sales teams, the sales members, we typically in travel have a buying curve so that we can forecast the bell curve and understand when revenue should come through. What are the buying habits of our consumers? Um, What are the working relationships of our travel agents as well? That's kind of been thrown out the window and especially for cruise and for our, our sector. So if you look at, you know, coming from out of post pandemic, people are making decisions quicker in shorter term. They're thinking shorter vision. So it used to be that people would plan for long-term vacations. And to some extent, people still do that. But our curve of the way bookings come through has completely changed. And we're seeing a lot more shorter in. <clears throat> so that means our, our actions and activities have to be more succinct to the consumer's minds today. That kind of links in with the question that Will's posed in chat. I don't know if you've seen it. You know, have, yeah. you seen any, have you seen consumer buying expectations change on your cruise ships pre and post-pandemic. Yeah, and it's been more on the buying curve, on the timing. So it's been supporting them for the the short-term vision as well as long-term. So that means that we've had to shift our business model a little bit to be able to adjust in all of the markets. How do we support the customers who are looking to go now, who are looking to to go uh, short-term vacations? Um, And so it's the buying curve of when, when the time and when the revenue would come through. And also, how are we going to support our cons- our consumers? So that's changed. Um, will it get back to normal, back to uh, 2019 levels? I'm sure at some point it might adjust. But you're seeing a lot of people t- taking shorter term decisions um, and more impactful decisions on how does the how does the industry relate to me? So you you look at the democracy of where we're living in today, and people are making decisions based off of their emotions based off of their identities and how they identify with the business into their core values. Um, And that that's new. That's that's really interesting. (laughs) So it's becoming a a less predictable business, would you say, because people's are taking slightly decisions. So that's, that must be posing a sort of challenge for for sales leaders as well as, as well as the the sales teams themselves, and there must be quite a lot of pressure being put to fill a ship. I, is it? I'm I'm just thinking out aloud. Is this leading to more discounting in order to drive volume? For example, are you seeing any impact perhaps on margins potentially? Honestly, no. Because if you look okay. again, knock on wood, Royal Caribbean has been doing exceptionally well. Um, and if you look at just who we are and our value proposition of what we deliver, uh, we stand behind what we deliver and we listen to yeah. the voice of our customer. Yeah. And that is resonating. So when it comes to uh, discounting and do we need to go heavier discounts to achieve the volumes? The answer is yeah. no, we're still doing business as usual as standard. However, yeah. it's the customer base that's coming back. Yeah. Remember, we stayed there. We stayed there with them during the pandemic. And that meant a lot. So we not only stayed with them, in many instances, we actually continued to support them, both financially and um, just emotionally. And I think that's truly resonated. And in any sales entity, if you want to play the long game for your customer, you need to be them during the tough and difficult times. And that has truly um, been, I think, the vision to our success today. Yeah. It's interesting that I can see Sean has posted a very complimentary 
comment about scared so what because I, I I think that you know to what extent is the resilience that you've built into your sales organization through the scared so what initiative mm-hmm. has helped you sort of navigate you know the less you know the more choppy waters uh, mm-hmm. that you are sailing through <laughs> at the moment if I can use that as a metaphor of course you can you know, yeah. and it's it's about how do you manage change, you know, and again, you know, as uh, countless talks that I have, we've not been taught how to manage change for ourselves. Yeah. So change management and organizational change management has been around for over 100 years. Yeah. But yet, we as leaders, you know, we don't ask the key questions to people when change happens. Like, for example, hey, Dr. Phil, do you uh, do you like this change? Do you yeah. in this change? Are you yeah. on board with this? We just don't speak that way. That's not been part of our vocabulary as leaders. So to arm people with the ability to manage change for themselves and then to arm the leadership to be yeah. able to recognize what the employees are going through. You know, I built this for uh, for our sales people as part of the sales master's program yeah. because a salesperson is in a very unique role. A salesperson yeah. is pressured by the organization for the KPIs, just as you rightfully said, you know, we need, we need to deliver the bottom line for the business. Um, but then you're also, there's all these other nuances like you had discussed earlier about from the customer. So from the B2B customer, what new are we seeing? We're seeing heavier expenses on ghosting, on not delivering, not returning back phone calls or messages, transition away from email to different forms of communication. How do you, as a salesperson, meet your customer where they want to be sold to? Is it through chat? Is it through different types of conversations? Where does AI play into this? So there's a lot of fear and a lot of change that happens to salespeople, but it just so happens that it supports uh, an evolution for everyone. Yeah. Um, So so how are managers using scared to so what and you know what if we sort of look at it through the lens of management you know from your your experience of Royal Caribbean and, and perhaps other organizations now who are adopting it what mm-hmm. you know what, what what's your feedback on on managers use Is, are they doing it for themselves is it a way of coaching their team. I mean, how how, yeah. how are you finding it's a mix of both. So what we've also done is we've introduced uh coaching, so true coaching. And so we partnered to have several members become certified sales transformation coaches themselves. And so now you've got people within the business. And if you focus on true coaching, you can use scared so what as a coaching model. So it's it it works for yourself as a self-coach, but it also works for leadership and managers to be able to say, right, how do I meet people where they are? So when a change situation happens, I can walk them through scared by using the model as an open probe question, and then I can help them to get to their own so what plan. And so that's what managers and leaders would be using it for and how they're using it to facilitate the conversation. Well, I mean, not all change is connected to the word scared, is it? I mean, not at all. No. Change could be uh, positive. It's not, you know, the words suggest that you are worried about it. You know, you're scared of it. But yeah. I, I know that there are different attitudes that you can have towards change, you know, depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Some situations may be quite scary, others not. Um, do, do you mind sort of, you know, talking us through 
the different change scenarios and, yeah. Yeah. And, and and how people are using the framework to manage change, whether it's scary or not. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. You don't have to be scared to use the model. So yeah. the word itself, if I look at where this originated, it was the fear of change. So there's a clinical term called metathesophobia, which is the extreme fear of change. Um, and then from all there, that's your base of where everything's foundation. But if you think about it, there's also positive change, right? So like getting a new job, uh, moving to a new house, getting married, or for a salesperson, closing the deal, getting a new contract, uh, getting a new share of business. It's exciting, but it also invokes all of that fear, anxiety, stress, and emotion that comes with it. So it doesn't matter if it's a positive change or a negative change. Scared So What can be used as a method for critical reflection to help you make informed decisions versus assumptive ones, and then to make your own action plan. So what is it? So scared it focuses on your feelings. And it's amazing because we have so many of these feelings, but we haven't been taught how to manage them or use them. So in essence, if you have a change situation that comes around, like let's say for sales, you get a, you sign a, signed a big deal with a, with a, a contract with a client. Great, that's exciting. But now all of a sudden the salesperson's like, all this positive excitement, what do I do? I don't know where to go. I don't know how to do it. And you might, as a leader, say, don't worry about it. But what you've yeah. just done was you've told them to ignore their feelings. So rather than ignoring their feelings, let's actually give them the tool to think it through. Am I surprised by this change? Am I conflicted or do I champion it? Obviously, if it's a good contract, I champion yeah. it. All right, well, what actions will you do to manage this process? Yeah. Are you now receptive? Are you rejective? Could you explore any other options? And then what decision can you make? And that's the key to utilizing the scared process is so that you can make an informed decision and not an assumption. When yeah. we assume, we make improper decisions. But if you use critical reflection, then you're making an informed decision. And what's interesting is even in the decision point, there are three possible outcomes. You could make a favorable decision, which means you like it. Like, like you know, just we said, you, you've got a good contract. That's great. So what? So what are you going to do? What's your plan? Um, you still need to think that through. You could also make a negative decision, which means I don't like this change at all. That's fine. So what will you do? But you could also be stuck in what's called indecision. And we've been there. We've all been there. You, mm -hmm. You're standing in front of your boss, your supervisor, your friend, your family, your colleague, and you're just... I don't know what to do. Could somebody just tell me what to do? And in those instances, when we've surveyed people after the fact, and they've gone through and reflected on there, almost 90% of them had not done the actions. They didn't do the actions or they didn't explore any options to generate new information. They went straight to assumption. So it's, it's amazing how you can document the thought process uh, with somebody. But if you introduce scared, so what? People then can actually learn to de-stress uh, less anxiety, and they can start to actually critically think and start to manage change for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it uh, provides a, a really solid um, kind of framework for discussion and for coaching and and and, and so on. And I think what, you know, we, we, we have mentioned this before, but it's, um, it's very interesting how you've honed in on this personal change framework because there are many change models out there, as we know, whether it's Cotter or McKinsey's model or, you know, whichever one it might be. 
um, but but none of them have really focused on personal change, which is kind of bleedingly obvious, isn't it? But but yet that hasn't been until you did your masters that you said uh, actually, over a hundred you know, years, right? Yeah, and they, so it's been a you know for me it's been a really interesting way that you've actually developed your 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 thought process ar around this and provided something that's very practical uh, to enable people to to kind of manage change. And I think I think in the context of the world in which we live, I mean, you you talk about democracy, you know, and and Julian Birkinshaw's perhaps you know coined that term, democracy and adocracy. Mm -hmm. But in the context of the world in which we live, with all of this geopolitical uncertainty, with with um, you know wars going on, with with inflation rates being quite high, there, there are a huge number of with the advent of AI and the impact this is going to have on the way we do things, uh, we're going to be, I think, uh, facing unprecedented levels of change. Yeah. And I think how we manage that change process is going to become, a, you know, is going to become critical for our sort of mental well-being, uh, and also just figuring out what to do. You know, how yeah. to handle some of the uncertainty in the marketplace. So I don't, know, I don't know if you see it in the same way as well, but now is. More than well, I do, I do, especially with around digital and technology, you think AI, I found myself uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting um, in a lecture series, a meeting, uh, kind of like a leadership think tank with the ISP on AI. And it was interesting, as we were sitting there learning, there's just so much that I did not know about it. And we had a great speaker and I'm sitting there going, am I surprised by this? Am I conflicted? Yeah, I'm conflicted yeah. by this. I literally was thinking through the model myself so that I could actually manage what was being thrown at me and to say you know so many people we've talked about with ai and sales and there's the standard phrase that is always there uh is ai going to eliminate our jobs and no. the answer is no you just need to learn how to manage and how to cope and use the tools that are available to you and ai can be a great support for you ai can help to minimize all of the admin work it can help to streamline email processes. It can help to uh, with social media and social marketing and make your life easier. But to your point, how do you manage the change that's sitting in front of you? We make assumptions. That's what we've been taught to how to do for generations. Here's a new technology. Oh gosh, that's going to be the end of us. Well, is it? If you'd actually learn to manage that process and go and investigate just a little bit, you might find that it could be a good friend for you. Yes, I, I see we've we've got some questions come through, but I know that I believe that um, um, that before we go into these questions, I was having a conversation with someone else on this call who's I just check whether whether we have Ian on the call from South Africa. He's mm. uh, a regular attender of the AMA sessions, uh, but in the context of of um, AI. Uh, Ian was sharing a story of listening to someone kind of anticipating what is the future of sales in an AI-dominated role. Um, I don't know if Ian is there and whether, Ian, you can uh, maybe uh, join this call. I'm not sure if you can join the call and share what some of your comments were on the topic of AI. Let's see if Ian is is there here he comes okay hi ian hi, ian i did i'm sorry to put you on the spot here ian but 
we're talking about AI. And do you remember yeah. the conversation that we had when you said you joined one of your colleagues out in South Africa talking about predicting, you know, the impact of AI on the sales profession? Do you mind sharing some of the rather more radical thoughts that came from, from that uh, conversation you listened into? Yeah, it, it was a, a group of people who uh, provide training and coaching support to sales leaders. And, and they were putting forward some predictions for 2024, which they admitted were very radical and in their view, unlikely to happen in that year. And some of the things were that CRM as a generic way of managing the sales process would disappear in favor of AI generated um, processes, which would be individual to each customer. Uh, they were also suggesting that maybe in 2024 would be the year when sales leadership would start to disappear and, and salespeople would be managed by uh, artificial intelligence vehicles and instruments to be able to have their work supervised and directed. Uh, there were also some thoughts that when hiring new sales talent, there would not be an interview process, but the selection would be made by AI. And kind of right at the very bottom of it, there would be a successive, but nevertheless definite view away, uh, move away from salespeople as being the human interface to a less human interface that would provide a better, more consistent, more reliable service than salespeople did but would in fact be conveyed to the customer through a, a, a machine interface. Yeah, that, that was pretty much all the stuff that was being put on the table to confuse and scare the hell out of people. That's pretty heavy. <laughs> that is fairly heavy. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you have a point of view on that in your role as head of sales transformation, but, um, uh, yeah, uh, we may not think it's going to happen in 2024, but but it is it is an interesting point of view that we mm -hmm. could you know that leaders clearly are going to be exploring the extent to which the nature of sales is going to change as a consequence of AI, and I think for me and we've just uh, you know sort of heard some fairly radical radical thoughts. I don't know if you've you, you've got any spontaneous comments you'd like to make uh, in response to that, Grant. No, I think, you know what, it's it's change, right? And it's all relative. How will you manage that? Um, for some sectors and some industry uh, components, I can see that you could automate it. I mean, look at the, the retail seg sector. Now you have machines that are handling all the checkout process. Who would have thought that would ever happen? Um, and as much as the consumer does not like <laughs> many issues of it, um, it's still there. So how do we look at to automations to change the way we do business? I think it's definitely going to hit some sectors. Will it hit our sector in the cruise industry? I'm not so sure. I think there's a huge element that's still necessary from a human connection to share that human experience, especially if you're about ready to give uh, uh, quite a bit of money to making such a sound uh, vacation decision, right? A holiday uh, decision. So do I think we're going to hit that in 2024 in the cruise industry? Possibly not. Will we be using uh, artificial intelligence? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Really, 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 um, <clears throat> really like the um, <clears throat> thought-provoking ideas, Ian. Thank you for for sharing. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Um, 
brilliant. Um, let's go to a couple of questions in chat, can we, Grant? So we've yeah. got one from Eddie. Um, I'm on the third module of the Masters, yeah, oh. which we'll know well, which is around coaching, and I'd like to know how much will sales trans transformation rely on coaching? Yeah, I think yeah. it's imperative uh, for me because I tie it also into the leadership styles. So a lot of what I have learned and what I put into practice with um, uh, Brian Tilly, who helps me, and also with Sean Lines as well for our teams, is transformational leadership. So I think that if you look at the core of how we lead, so if you look at the fun foundation core, you've got transactional leadership and transformational leadership. Yeah. And transactional leadership is a foundation of tell. So I tell you what to do, but there's really no development that happens in that process or that leadership style. It's me being directive. And typically as that kind of a tell leader, I'm taking the credit for what's happening. So I do all of the reporting up. But a transformational leader at the heart of being transformational is coaching. And when you're doing this, it's harder because you're letting go, you're being a little bit more vulnerable, but your whole leadership style is about transforming others and developing others. And to do that, you use coaching at the heart as the main tool to process that. It's the transfer of ownership. You know, it's a transfer of development. It's the transfer of empathy and empowerment. And when you do that, you're building a sense of collaboration. You're also building up others so that they can continue to develop in the workforce. And ultimately, that is at the heart of my values, what I think I am supposed to do as a leader. My job is to give every single thing I have of me to my colleagues so that yeah. if they want my job, they should be able to take it. And then there'll always be something for me to do. So I think to answer your question, Eddie, uh, coaching is a fundamental skill set of transformational leadership and of sales in 2024 and beyond. Okay, thank you. And I, I can see an interesting question also from George, which is, I think a lot of people struggle with discipline side of change. I think I can vouch for that, particularly when it comes to New Year's resolutions, both personal and work related. Uh, do you think addressing the emotional side of change enables you to achieve better discipline? Yeah, that's a, a very interesting question, George. In our research, you know, scared so what is two halves of a model brought together. So it's looking at two sides of change, right? It's all personal change. Scared allows you to process your feelings and make an informed decision. But then so what allows you to make your own plan of how you will manage or execute that change. That's been missing. Actually, both parts have been missing in organizational change management. But when you think of just like you, you sit here, do you think addressing the emotional side of change enables you to achieve better discipline? In our research, we asked over a thousand participants their perception of using the model. And it was so interesting that almost 50% said, I prefer to focus on my feelings because this helps me to understand how I feel about change so that I can make an informed decision versus assumption. We said, great, 50% are there. But the other 50% said, <laughs> well, I just wanna focus on getting on with it and how do I do it? How do I facilitate the change? Um, and so they didn't care about the feeling side of it. They cared about the action portion of change. And we thought, okay, 50-50, this is great. Where is this going? But then in the next series of questions we asked them, we said, do you think that you should be using scared and so what together? Yes or no? 
almost 100% came back to say, you need to really use both sides of the model so that you can effectively manage change for yourself. So even the naysayers who said, I want to focus on just to get on with it, just to do it, they said there's value in um, assessing your feelings as well, too. So I think, you know, we all have emotions, we all have feelings, etc. What Scared So What does is it gives you the permission to actually focus on them, deal with them, recognize them so that you can make your own so what plan. So I think, uh, George, to answer your question, yes, addressing the emotional side helps you to achieve a better discipline because once you've addressed your feelings, you then can build your own action plan, how you will manage that change for yourself. And that's been missing. You know, all organizational change models are valuable. So I want to make sure everybody understands that this is not a, a, a diss against organizational change. It actually is a support, a support mechanism. We should be using Scared So What here first as a foundation. You address the change with the individuals first, and then you bring in an organizational change model once you know everybody's on board and where they stand so that you can actually make organizational change successful. Yeah, good question. Yeah, thanks, George, um, for the question. So, Grant, um, one of the questions that has been posed, they're not here yet, is what are your New Year's resolutions? And I've also been posed the same question for me, but I just... Uh, you know, what for you are going to be some of the big change things for you for next year, if you're allowed to share it? Yeah, uh, just to keep chanting now that, you know, from the cruise industry perspective, we had a record breaking year. How do we take this to new heights? So 2024. So we're already focusing on all of the different sales transformation processes that we're working on within the business, saying yeah. what sectors of the business can we over uh, overhaul, uh, reorganize, rework, restructure. So we've got some great opportunities already lined up. And so uh, one of my New Year's resolutions is to make those changes successful. Okay. Um, how will I be doing that? I obviously will be using Scared So What, but focusing on my teams and, and involving all of our people to make it successful. And then personally, personally, I want to continue to get Scared So What out to the world. Um, the more people that we can teach how to manage personal change for themselves, the more we'll be able to arm people to help others. And that's that's important for me to do. Okay. That's really good. I see we have another question that's come in from Simon. Mm. Uh, what aspects of scared? So what have people been most resistant to? And how have you helped people engage with them? It's funny, the most, and thanks for the question, Simon. Great to work with you as well and have you here. Um, most people, the most interesting finding was the resistance of actually focusing on your feelings. We, and especially from the men, from the male side of it, it's um, considered almost a, a diss or a uh, not cool thing to do to embrace your emotions or yeah. to vocalize them and speak them out loud. And I think that's been years of regressive teachings to say that, you know, you're you're supposed to be strong in strength. But we all have feelings. Every single one of us on the planet uh, doesn't matter if you're an animal, a manimal or a human a humanoid. We all have them. So yeah. why would we try to repress them is just shocking. So the biggest um, aspect that people have been resistant to was it's OK to embrace your feelings. And here's a methodology for you to actually critically reflect through them. Mm. And in doing so, you're making a more informed decision. That has been the goal. And once you start to break that down and test it with people, especially the, the males that have been resistance to change, 
um, once you start to give them the mechanism to think it through, it it's just very quickly, easily to adopt. And you can say, right, now I can actually know how to think it through. So I think that's been the biggest um, resistance was your feeling side of it. But again, how you help them to engage with it is just to engage with it. And I engage with it as a coaching mechanism. So you can say it uh, very easily that, Dr. Phil, are you surprised by this change? Are you conflicted by it or do you champion it? Once you go into coaching mode, they go into reflection mode and then they start thinking for themselves and answering it. So that's how we've engaged that. Simon, I hope that's answered your, your question. If you want to ask a backup question to that, or if anyone does, please uh, feel free to, uh, to do so. Great, thanks. Thanks, Simon. Uh, I know, Grant, that you're looking at developing an extension to the app, you know, which is moving from scared so what at a personal level, but at an organizational level. Um, what benefits do you think that's going to bring to organizations? Yeah, we're very excited about that. So we've we have out right now the standard app, which was the ability to give people the ability to manage personal change in the palm of their hand. But yeah. what we quickly realized was that organizations do not have a way to visualize change management by yeah. data sets or by visualizations, by the numbers. And so what we're building now is the pro app. And so the pro app is for organizations. It comes in addition with an account management system. So for the first time ever, an organization will be able to launch the app into their organization, um, allow their people to take scared quizzes, build their own so what action plans, set smart goals and smart objectives, and then also be able to com com complete them and check when they're done. But the AMS system will give them a visualization of all the change that's happening within the organization. So in one dashboard, you will see participation, you will see types of changes that people are concerned about, you will see completions and plans that are created for change, and you'll be able to see uh, what the situations are that are happening in with change, happening in real time. We've never been able to do that. And so that's where Scared So What will take this, you know, to enhance and support change management within organizations to make it more inclusive by including the individual and then be visual so that we can actually manage it in real time to make it more successful. Mm, it's, uh, and I, I guess uh, each person's change plan there will be anonymized. I mean, anonymous. Absolutely. That, so we've got to protect the data. We've got to protect the integrity. So what we do is through our uh, visual partners, everything is anonymized. Yeah. People can come in, they can create their profiles. So you can see the name, you can see their email. Uh, but you can't see anything that they do inside the app, which is beautiful. And that's how we protect the privacy of the individual. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. I wonder if there are any other questions that anyone has got to ask as we sort of perhaps near the end of this uh, AMA session. Uh, any any further questions? I know Agatha is on, I believe, from Singapore, if I'm not mistaken. So thank wow. you for joining us. Uh uh, we've had uh, we had Sean comment. Are there, Sean, have you got any comments? You want to put your boss under the spotlight here, Sean, with the you know the most difficult question you could ask him whilst he's here in the public arena. There you go. Luke had an interesting one. He says, "What? This is a light-hearted one. What's your favorite?" I know. I thought we could end with Luke's actually. Uh, maybe we'll <laughs> end with that. That's great. That's fun. Good question. <laughs> okay, so let's uh, as let's if I dare. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so Grant, what is your let let's go to Luke's now. Typical Luke, this is, I have to mm -hmm. say. He likes to be lighthearted. So my favorite yeah. cruise destination. Honestly, uh, you know, I, uh, people, a lot of people don't know this, but I spent about 15 years working on ships. Yeah. Uh, so in many different roles uh, around the world. And my favorite destinations are always the Baltic capitals. Uh, oh, okay. I loved the season sailing out of those when you're doing, you know, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Helsinki, Tallinn, Estonia, uh, yeah. all the different areas. It's just an incredible way to view life and the scenery and the little towns that you can go and immerse yourselves in. So if you've never done a Baltic cruise, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And then, you know, okay. so those are, those are personally my favorites. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, I thought you were going to say the Caribbean or, you know, the. It's funny, you know, Asia, but you, you've ended up choosing the Baltics, which is great. Completely <laughs> different. Yeah. You know, and that's fine. It's personal, personal, right? The Caribbean is second nature. That's our home. Perfect day, nothing compares to our perfect day at Coco Cay. Um, it's just phenomenal experience. But yeah, if you want something different, completely different, the Baltics is exciting. I see that uh, Sean has uh, said mine is the Car Caribbean for sure. Uh huh. Portola is the most beautiful island. Absolutely, it is gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's that? Is that is that the one that you own? That's not the one that you own, is no, it? No, 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 no. Ours, uh, our island that we have is called uh, Perfect Day at Coco Cay. So it has the tallest water slides in all of the Caribbean, uh, natural pools. It's just phenomenal. So there's yeah. so much to do there. I know. I was rather gutted that I missed through COVID being able to join you on 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 the ship for that mm. uh, that particular trip. So I missed out on that. So. I'm waiting for an invite, but I might have to wait I, a while. I think that we can arrange that very soon. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, I do want to say thank you. So especially as we wrap up uh, to the end, uh, you know, you don't always get uh, opportunities to say thanks to people that have helped transformed you. Um, and Consalia team has just been phenomenal. Uh, Dr. Phil, I remember, gosh, it's been almost six years ago when I was introduced by Brian Tilley uh, uh, to the possibility of going into a master's program. Talk about personal change. I was terrified. I couldn't do this. I, I said, filled with a doubt, immediate assumption. So to you and to Brian Tilley for being such an amazing executive coach, um, uh, to Sean, to everybody at Consalia, um, and to Will for being my partner in the master's program. Um, it's just been an amazing journey. And this year has been phenomenal. So I want to say thank you. Um, and for anybody out there listening, if you are in sales and you are considering how to differentiate yourself in sales, you definitely should go to the Consalia website from uh, apprenticeships to the undergrad programs to graduate programs. And who knows, it can lead you to becoming a PhD as well. Um, uh, it truly is an amazing concept that you can put right into your work practice, which is exactly where we all are. So thank you. Yeah, well, thank you, Grant, for that unprompted, uh, um, yeah, unprompted um, um, comment. Um, yeah, I think that, it, you know, the question I asked, you know, or mentioned earlier on was about the unprecedented change taking place in the marketplace. And I think this whole area of critical reflection is such an important um, uh, skill that, that everyone needs to have. And uh, uh, and this is what the masters does, teaches you how to um, 
think and clearly i mean in your case taking it on to a new a new level and this is what i love about the the masters programs uh, we always said with the masters uh, right at the very beginning that we wanted it to be an incubation center of ideas and innovation and i think that what we've seen with with what you've done grant and with with scared so what coming out of that kind of innovation that you get through critical reflection is brilliant for those of you who are at our gst event you know you know we have lenny and what he's doing also on artificial intelligence and the ethics and governance frameworks again some very innovative work and i think we're going to see more students actually coming forward with their areas of innovation and hopefully we can provide a platform for them to to flourish as indeed you are Grant, so I just want to say huge thank you to you for everything you've done um, to raise the standards of professionalism in sales, and uh, you've been a great um, broadcaster of what what we're doing here. I'm looking forward to working with you next year, of course. Yeah, so thank you, Grant, for joining us. Thank you. My pleasure to be with you all, and to everybody, happy holidays. Thanks so much for all you do. I hope you get some good rest and relaxation, and we'll hit it again in 2024. Absolutely. And uh, I'm very glad no one asked me what my New Year's resolutions are. And I'm ah, sure... but wait, I wonder. There you go. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm sorry. Time's up on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you managed that change very well. Yeah. Okay. Well, cheerio, Grant. Very nice. Thank to Thanks so much. All the best to it. Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye for now.